how's everybody doing this morning? It's a beautiful Sunday morning, and uh, this is a little bit unusual for me in that uh, for, gosh, I guess Christy and I have had the opportunity to come here to the chapel uh, during the summer, probably for the past 20 plus years. And this is the very first time I've stood in this spot. I'm usually over there, or it used to be over there uh, at the piano, but this morning uh, I'm going to be sharing with you, and uh, so this is a little unusual, but I'm, I'm grateful for this opportunity, and, and we're grateful for the chapel. We just want to say that, you know, this has been a place that we've had the opportunity to come and sing and to encourage people to share hope for more than two decades, and we're thankful for the work that Garden City Chapel does and, and how God continues to use this place and the people that work here to see lives changed and, and for it to be for God's glory and for his kingdom. And so can we just give the chapel a hand for all they do? And then, of course, today is a special day. It's Father's Day. We've already heard that. We've already talked about that a little bit. And I'm a father. I've got two kids. Um, our son, Will's 22, just turned 22 last week. And then our daughter is 16. And so uh, 17. See, that, that happens so fast. Happens so fast. But anyway, uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing them later today and spending some time with them. But, you know, I heard a story recently about Father's Day, and it came from a father. And he and his family, this happened a few years ago, but he and his family went to church on Father's Day. They're sitting together. And as the message starts happening that day, it turns out to be one of those messages where it was all about, you know, I think the goal of it was to challenge fathers to be better, to do more. And they started sharing all these statistics. And, and it, it came really, it came across really belaboring. And it went on and on and on. It was really more of a downer than it was encouragement. And in the middle of the message, the the, the, the man's elementary age son reaches over and taps his dad on the shoulder. And so the man looks down at his son. He's like, son, he says, dad, I'm sorry. And, and the dad says, well, son, what are you sorry for? He says, I don't know what's going on here. He said, but on Mother's Day, the church gave mom a, a flower and chocolate. He says, but all you're getting is a lecture. So... <laughs> Poor dad. But I promise that this morning is not going to be a lecture. So if you're a dad and you're here like me, this is not going to be a lecture. Uh, hopefully for all of us this morning, this is going to be a time of encouragement as we look at what God's word says and uh, how we can be encouraged because he is a perfect father. He's a perfect father. And regardless of what our experience has been on earth, we can look to a father who is perfect. Uh, so... Um, So let me assure you, today's not going to be a lecture. Um, so let's look at our scripture. We're going to look at Luke chapter 15. So if you have your Bible. We'll be looking at Luke chapter 15, verse 11. This is a familiar story. The parable of the prodigal son. Jesus is telling this. There's a group of people around him. Of course, his disciples are with him, but there's also a lot of religious leaders listening as well. And so I'm going to read it. Luke chapter 15, verse 11. And he said, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together. And went on a journey into a distant country, and there he squandered his estate with loose living. 
Now, when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began to be impoverished. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one was giving him anything. But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread? But here I am dying with hunger. I will get up, and I will go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired servants. So he got up, and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fattened calf, kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine who was dead has come to life again. He was lost, but he's been found. And they began to celebrate. There's a little bit more of the story, but we're not going to get into all that today. But if you look at Luke chapter 15, this is the third parable in a row that Jesus is telling, and they all three have to deal with lost things. The first The first one at the beginning of Luke chapter 15 is the parable of the lost sheep. If you're familiar with that, he talks about how a shepherd is going to leave. He's got 100 sheep and one's missing. He's going to leave the 99 and go find the one. The second parable is the parable of the lost coin. Where a lady has lost one of her 10 silver coins. And so what's she going to do? She's going to sweep the entire house looking to find that coin because it's it's important. It, It has value. And when she does find it, she's so excited about it that she's going to call her neighbors and say, come celebrate with me because I have found something precious that was lost. And then Jesus, a third time, goes into a story, and this time it's the prodigal son and how it's a son who left, ended up with nothing, but he comes home. So let's break down the story just a little bit. There are two sons. One son Wants what's his. He's like, you know, I'm kind of tired of doing it this way. I want to do it my way. You know, I want, I want what's mine and I want to go. So, you know, we see a guy who's being a little bit, you know, he wants to leave. He's being a bit selfish. He's being a little bit rebellious. And he has a desire to be indulgent. And so as he goes, everything is great until it's all gone. And then a famine comes. He's devastated. He's hungry. He's dirty. He's in a place that he has never experienced before in his life, right? He's been in this household, on this estate where he's, he's working with his family, his brother, his dad. They have servants. So these, these people are well-to-do. But in just a short period of time, now he finds himself in a place he's never been before. So in that moment, he begins to go, gosh, what can I do? Where, where, where can I go? And he thinks about the servants that work for his father. Now, can you 
imagine that conversation he has having with himself and saying, wait, can I go home? I mean, obviously I can't go home and be a son again, right? Because I've, I've blown it. I'm not worthy to be a son. He even says that I have sinned against you. I've sinned against heaven. But maybe I could go back and be a servant. Maybe be one of my father's servants. Maybe he'll take me back if I do that again. That's got to be better than where I am right now. Have you ever been in a time in your life where you've kind of made some mistakes? Where you've found yourself in a predicament that you go, I've never been here before. And gosh, if I can get out of this, I don't ever want to be in this situation again. Anybody ever felt that way? Yeah. So, he makes a turn. And he's going to go home. He takes the long road home. And what does he find as he begins to approach home? Can't you imagine in his mind, he's going to have to face his father? Right? But as he gets closer, I'm sure word gets out that this, this kid is trying to get home. I mean, people down the road are going to see him coming. Word's getting back. Maybe, I don't know, maybe the father's just been sitting there praying that his son would come back. But as he gets close to home, what do we hear? We hear that the father what does what? Does he sit there with a scowl on his face? And begin to lecture him, to be angry with him. No, what does he do? He runs toward the son. The father is running after him. And not only that, I love it because he says the father runs to him. And then quickly, he, say, he turns to his, his servants and says quickly. So I imagine that not only are, is the father running, but all the servants are having to run after the father to the son. And he says quickly, get him a robe. Get him a ring. And put sandals on his feet. Now, many theologians believe that, you know, that in that time, in the time of Jesus, that if somebody in your community had done something so bad to bring shame on their family or their community, that they could face being voted out. Like, you can't come back. So, I think there's two things going on in the heart of the father at that moment. One is, this is my son. He was dead, but now he's alive. And I love him. The second part was, I'm not going to give them the chance to take him out of my life again. So what does he do? He says, you go get the best robe. You go get the ring. You get the shoes to put on his feet. Because what does that show him? It shows that he is now somebody again. And so as they're walking back to the house, you have the picture of his son who's broken. But he's got the robe. He's got the ring that says, I'm somebody. He's got shoes on his feet and the arm of his father around him saying, he's with me. In fact, he's also saying, and there's going to be a party for me. There's no shame here. You see, I think in our lives, the enemy, the devil, he wants nothing more than for us to live in our shame. To live in our brokenness, to live in the midst of our failures and feel like there is no hope. And the enemy wants you to believe that you can never go home. Because of what you've done. Because of your shame. Because of your failures. Your sin. But. Jesus is saying. The very best thing you can do. Is to go home. To take the road back home. Now, it's important to say that God, God is calling us 
to live a different kind of life, right? God wants to call us to a life of holiness, of obedience, of sacrifice. But he's also saying that if you have blown your life up, you can come home. I have a friend named Shane Pruitt, and he works with Next Gen Ministry for um, North American Mission Board. And he recently posted this, and I think it's a great little quote. It says, we're good at sinning, but Jesus is better at saving. We're good at regretting, but Jesus is better at rescuing. We're good at denying, but Jesus is better at delivering. We're really good at failing, but Jesus is the best at forgiving. I want everybody to know this morning that God loves you. And it doesn't come from how you've performed. Right? You play on a sports team, you want to play well. You want to do the right things because you want the coach to see that. You want the coach to put you in the game. But in life, when it comes to our Heavenly Father, God's love for us is not based on our performance. We see a great picture of it in this dad who runs to his father, even though the father, uh, even though the son has blown up his life. So dads, today, there's many of us in the room. Dads, you don't have to be perfect. We can't be. If you're like me, I, I put way too much pressure on myself as a dad. I'm kind of like Clark Griswold. Anybody know Clark Griswold? Christmas Vacation. That's, that's me. My family laughs at me when they watch the movie. And I love it when his wife says, Sparky, you set standards that no one or no family could ever live up to. And then and immediately after that, his whole world turns to chaos. That's me so often. I have these things in my mind, this pressure that I put on myself to perform, to do the right things, to be good, to make sure that I'm doing the things that I'm supposed to be doing. And those are important things. But we have to remember that we're not going to always get it right. Now, I also say this. Don't go blow up your life just to figure out that God loves you, right? But when you are in the midst of that place where you feel like you've got nowhere else to go, God has made a way through his son Jesus that we can come home, that we can find a place of rest, we can find a place of forgiveness, we can find hope. So dads, your kids don't need you to be a perfect father, but we do need to teach our children about a perfect Heavenly Father who sees us, who knows us, and who loves us. He loves us because He loves us. It's not our performance. He loves you because you're His child. He's, you're His son or you're His daughter. So today, maybe some of us need to run back to the Father. Maybe it's for the first time, or maybe it's so He can love you. He can cover you so he can put the shoes on your feet and forgive you. Maybe some of us today just need to take that first step towards mending some family relationship that we've broken or we've been at odds with. Asking God to help us love and to forgive and to extend grace like God has demonstrated for us and as we see in this story through the Father. 
Or maybe some of us just need to continue walking down the road of faith that God has put us on. Allowing God, allowing him to love us, continue to love us, and to show us how to continually, how we can become more and more holy as we seek him, as we search for him, as we learn more about him. Growing in our faith as we reflect his love and grace to those around us. Think the think back on my childhood and again just the pressure that I put on myself sometimes leaves me in knots and leaves me just feeling hopeless but I'm thankful today that I have a restored relationship with my dad that once was broken but it took me Experiencing God's grace and being able to then turn around and to reach out and to mend that kind of relationship. So, today, don't be Clark Griswold. But put your faith in the one who loves you. Who cares for you. One who gave his life for you. He's the one who gives us the joy to sing the songs we've sung this morning. He is good and he's faithful. We're not perfect and we don't have to be. But we can experience a perfect father in the life that he wants for us if we're willing to walk with him and if we're willing to make the trip back home. Will you pray with me?